I'm Andy. Um, I am a pastoral intern here at the Bridge. Um, been been part of this church since close to the beginning, so that's um, it's just been fun to be able to be on this journey with so many people here, and also just seeing so many people join. Um, yeah, so this is my first time actually getting to preach on a Sunday, um, which I'm really excited about, nervous about, as you can tell. Uh, but yeah, really, this past like last year, 2017, was when God really kind of revealed uh, His calling on my life, vocationally speaking, to pursue ministry. So, um, you know, teaching the word is one thing that's very specifically something I love to do, something I'm really excited about. I grew up in church since before I was born in my mother's womb. I was attending, uh, I think it was, it was, they were in Galveston at the time, actually. My dad was going to med medical school down there. Um, so, you know, growing up in the church, one of the first things you learn is that prayer is important, that God uh, hears our prayers, that we can come to him and ask him things, right? I think most Christians, from a pretty early point in their faith, whether they're a kid or an adult, um, you know, they hear the, the things that Jesus taught about prayer. You know, he said, ask and you shall receive. Uh, where, uh, whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. And how much more will your Father, who is in heaven, give good things to those who ask him? So, I mean, me as a kid hearing that, being naive and selfish and whatever. I'm, I, I love Lego, so I think there was definitely times as a kid where I would pray to get Lego sets. Um, and when I look back at my childhood, I ended up getting a decent amount of Lego sets. So I, again, who knows what that means, right? I wasn't a believer at the time, I don't think so. Um, but also, if, if you remember the first Harry Potter movie when Harry Potter, he's, like, he's brought to his parents' bank vault, right? And they just open the door. This is in his inheritance, right? And there's just stacks of gold coins, right? Like, to me, I definitely prayed about things like that, you know, like just big piles of money. Um, and I definitely haven't had that yet. So, I mean, again, who knows, right? You still have hopefully years to live. Um, but yeah, I mean, in, in retrospect, right, obviously these prayer requests are pretty naive, selfish, but I was definitely earnest about it. I wasn't being deceptive or manipulative about it, right? Um, and the fact that, you know, you could say that my prayer request for Lego got answered, I don't know, versus prayer for money, right? It seems, sometimes people would label that as arbitrary, right? Um, that prayer can seem so arbitrary because there's so many times where people pray for things very dearly, very sincerely, and it doesn't really come to, come to pass as they thought it would or as they wanted it to, right? Um, and it really, it, it makes, it's that much harder because I guess the time that we live in now, right, we're increasingly you know, discovering more about, you know, how the world works, you know, from a scientific and rationalistic standpoint. So it's really easy for us to really kind of remove the need for God from the equation sometimes. It's really easy to think, okay, I, I, I can explain how all these things come to pass and why it might not come to pass. Um, and so really that, along with the fact that I, you know, as best as I can tell, so many Christians do struggle with um, these unanswered prayer requests about good things like the healing of people that are sick, you know, and the resolution of conflict and just um, any sort of wisdom or comfort in the midst of tension, right? That really can leave a lot of people dejected or frustrated with prayer, sometimes even resentful and doubting about God himself, right? And I know for myself, being a very pragmatic, cynical person, that's definitely something I struggle with at times, is really trusting that God will be faithful to answer prayer. And so, you know, just at beginning, beginning to prep for this sermon, the first thing I did was really sit down and analyze kind of my own really operational understanding of prayer. And it was, it was kind of scary and humbling and, you know, sad in some ways because, yeah, it's that, my cynicism does come through in a lot of ways. Um, and I realized that without me, at least, having the confidence and the urgency for prayer, 
it really left me just, it, it makes it hard for me to pray at all, like actually be praying, right? Which is definitely something that's, you know, prayer is an integral element of what it means to live as a believer. Um, so, you know, I, I, I don't know how much you guys can relate with that. You know, I think some people might be able to. Um, but really, my hope today is that, you know, we come to see that God knows these doubts and these difficulties, our, our smallness of understanding uh, that we struggle with. And I'm actually, I kind of want to explore these three questions that I thought of uh, to help all of us reflect on how we actually view prayer, the ways that we pray, the way that we value it and view it, right? Um, and prayer definitely can be one of these things that people, like Christians, however new or old they feel, uh, can feel some guilt over, I think, a lot of times, whether it's because they just don't pray enough or it doesn't seem like their prayers are effective, whatever that might be. Um, but in, this is not a message to bring any sort of guilt or shame, like by no means. So this is hopefully an, op- you know, my, my deepest prayer has been that the Holy Spirit will speak through me um, and speak to anyone here who needs to hear and really be kind of touched by God um, in that way and just really uh, pa- shepherded, right? Um, and so, you know, instead of being weighed down by guilt, you know, my prayer is that, um, you know, this would, this would hopefully compel us into deeper, you know, truer communion with God. So I'm going to pray real quick, and then we're just going to get right into it. Father, uh, I, I just pray in this time that you would speak your truth, speak through your word that you revealed, uh, that you would just take all these notes and these thoughts, and that you would uh, shine your light through them and not anything else. I pray that this would be an opportunity to really come to know you more, more than anything else, and by coming to know you more, that we could um, approach you as, as praying people um, in a way that you've instructed us how and in a way that um, is just so life-giving to us and really bringing about your glory in this world. And so I just pray that you be with me and be with all of us in this time and that this would be all about you at the end. And so we pray all these things in your name. Amen. So um, the first question is, do I pray with an accurate understanding of God? And I think it's really the questions of who is God and what is God like. Those are age-old questions, right? They've been asked since pretty much the beginning of time, and they will be asked by people till the very end, right? Um, and I think, to me, like I thought of this question, if someone were to come to me and ask me what is God like, my gut response probably is, in a lot of ways, my my fundamental understanding of who God is, what he's like. So I actually want to ask you guys to just shout out some of the traits that you think uh, are essential and fundamental to God's character. So just go ahead and compassionate, all right. Holiness, what was, what was the other one? All-knowing, yep. Loving, grace, yeah. Just, yeah. Unchanging, yeah. Generous, yeah. Creative, yeah. Faith, faithful, yeah. That's good. Yeah, I think I think you guys listed pretty much everything. I have a list of eight, you know, off the bat. It's not uh, comprehensive, um, but definitely uh, loving, just, merciful, faithful, powerful, wise, patient, compassionate. Those are the things that come to my mind, you know, right off the bat when I think about, you know, who is God, what is he like? Uh, and then on top of that, thinking about Jesus' teachings, changing this whole paradigm as he came to earth and was teaching um, both Jews and, and non-Jews, that God was more than just, um, you know, a creator and a king, but he was also a father, right? And so I think, com- considering all these aspects of God, um, that really 
makes, I, at least for me, you know, hopefully for other people as well, it makes me think that God is the most suitable to be bringing my requests and my needs to, right? You know, even though I trust my family and my friends and, and they care for me and they're able to do things, they can't do as much as God can do, you know, and God has just this benefit of literally omnipotence and omniscience, right? He just knows everything. He can do anything. Um, but, but then there's so many times when, you know, Christians, me, any, anybody in this room maybe, will doubt God's either ability or his faithfulness to answer these prayer requests, right? These, these things that we do need and ask of him. Um, and, I, and I have this interesting thought, um, like, why, like, why would God tell us, instruct, why would he instruct us to come to him and bring these requests to him if he knew that he couldn't come through, right? And I think that's, that's something that's like, it's a, like a, it's a challenging thought in a lot of ways, right? Um, but it, it does make me realize, I think it's more so, I have a, I have a confidence that God is, God is huge, that he is capable and, and he's faithful, but sometimes given a situation, right, like my own thoughts or my own feelings will make me want things or just think things otherwise, right? And that, and that really can make the life of prayer hard, right? Um, and so, like, I mean, in, in his, his power, right, I think we definitely don't have time to go into this, but his power is evident in so many ways in just the, in the creation that is around us and the miracles that he's done that we see through his word, right? So starting from creation, you know, through, you know, all these Old Testament stories, you know, and resurrecting the dead, right? Like, I mean, who does that? Um, so, I mean, again, if, if those things are true, like, we know that God is way more powerful than any of us, right? Um, and then on top of that, his faithfulness, right? First Thessalonians 5, 23 to 24 says, Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful. He will surely do it. So to me, hearing that, that last verse, he who calls you is faithful, he will surely do it. The, the confidence, the certainty in that statement uh, is, is really reassuring, and I think you can see the truth, the veracity of that statement, right? Um, when you look at so many stories of so many people who God was working through and he was working in their lives. So just two stories, you know, right off the bat, Abraham and Sarah. Abraham is the father of Israel, right? Very close to the beginning of the Bible, right? He's promised by God to be given a child through his wife, Sarah. Him and Sarah are ridiculously old. Like, they should not be having kids in any way, shape, or form, and they know it, right? But God tells them, I'm going to give you a child, and, you know, he, through, through your seed, you know, you, you will bless all the nations, right? And so, um, you know, they go off, and they, 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 they kind of, I mean, they like the thought, but they laugh at it. They're like, how can that even be possible? And they try and make it happen on their own accord, and it just doesn't happen the way they want it to happen. But God brings a child years later after this initial promise, right? So he's faithful there. And then we see in the New Testament, in the Gospels, Jesus, with his disciples, he, he tells them uh, multiple times he foretells of his death and resurrection. But the, whether maybe they remembered it, maybe they didn't, but, you know, after he gets crucified, they just all run off, and they're, like, scared and hiding, right? Um, and I would think that would speak to a, a, lack, of, a lack of trust in, in Jesus' promise, right? But lo and behold, three days later, right, he pops into a room with them, and they're just like, uh, what happened, right? Um, and so, really, we, I mean, those are just two stories of so many throughout the word where we see God being faithful to the things that he says. He calls his shot, right? He calls a shot way beforehand. Um, and I think just 
this whole idea of doubting his power of faithfulness, doubt is, doubt is natural, you know, to some people. And I, I, I wouldn't go as far to say that I don't think doubt is sinful. Like, that's just our mind and our heart trying to pull us away from something, right? Um, and I've, you know, just in my own life, I've realized that I'm just, my mind and my heart are too susceptible to the push and the pull of my circumstance and just whatever happens to be happening at the time, right? And so I've really, it's, 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 it's always a challenge to, rather than trusting how I'm feeling, how I'm thinking at certain times, to actually just go to God's word as this anchor, right? Um, and really, in, in the doubt, that's when God is able to show himself that much more um, kind of fully in a way, uh, at least, you know, perceptibly to us, right? That's really where we can see the goodness of his nature, that he is steadfast, right? That he is always just, he's always loving. Um, and really, a lot of times, his faithfulness comes in really unexpected or counterintuitive ways. Uh, R.C. Sproul, who's a really well-known theologian, very well-respected, uh, I was reading his book for a class recently, and one thing that I really appreciated was he talked about the differences between contradictions, paradoxes, and mysteries. And he, and he makes the assertion that God cannot have any contradictions within himself. There's, n like, there's no two things that oppose one another that can coexist about God. So he's, he is very consistent, right? Um, whereas he do Sproul also asserts that God does have paradoxes and mysteries about him, paradoxes being things that appear to be contradictory, but when you study it further and you understand it better, it turns out to be true, right? And then on top of that, there's the mysteries of God. And these are just things that we may never understand, maybe not till heaven, right? Um, that God, uh, we, we may not understand it, but he, it is true and it is, it is, it is accurate, right? Um, so I think just in my own life, what, when it comes to especially doubting his faithfulness or his power, I, you know, I can, I can look back and see that God is faithful in ways that sometimes are paradoxical or sometimes just mysterious, straight up. And that's hard to um, uh, kind of embrace sometimes because I'm just this very, uh, very structured, very planning type person, very logical, right? So when he does things that are a step away from my logic, it's kind of, kind of tough to, to grapple with. But at the same time, um, really, it's, it's his ability to take these things that we see as, you know, impotent or unrelated or counterintuitive, his ability to be faithful through those things, I think, are just a further testament to his power, his faithfulness, just his, his character as a whole, right? So the second question to ask then is, do I pray with gratitude? Philippians 4, 6 says, in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And just a fun fact, I'm, I'm kind of a language like geek. Um, thanksgiving in this verse comes from, is translated from the Greek word Eucharistia, which is where we get the, the, the name for the Lord's Supper, right? The Eucharist, right? So I think that's just cool because it kind of, you know, further informs my understanding of what communion is. It's an expression of thanksgiving, um, amongst other things. But anyway, so thanksgiving. Uh, I would say the opposite of thanksgiving is complaining, right? Thanksgiving is an outward expression from an inward gratitude, an inward contentment, versus complaining being an outward expression of ingratitude and discontentment. And really, it's kind of, uh, when you reflect on it, or at least when I reflect on it, there's a lot of times where I, I realize that my requests for something else or something more often come from this place of discontentment. Sometimes they come from good places, for sure. But I think there's a lot of times where I find myself 
asking because I'm actually deep down discontent with what God has given me, whatever the situation is, whatever the circumstance, right? Um, but when, but when you look, think about Jesus' teachings like, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him, right? It doesn't seem like there's any conditionality to that, to that invitation. Um, so, it's, you know, it, I don't think it's unreasonable to ask, why shouldn't we just ask for anything and everything regardless of the situation, right? Um, and I think this is where Jesus identifying God as a father and not just, um, not just a king, not just a creator, right? Identifying God as a father really is, is helpful to understand maybe why we don't get everything and anything we ask for, right? Um, because really there's a difference between being a heavenly father and a, a king, a creator, and just being a genie, a vending machine, right? Like there's, a, there's an important distinction there. Um, and I don't think this is super common, but you know, maybe some people might think that uh, as, you know, in parenting, the best thing you can do for your kid is just give them what they want. Um, but I, I know for myself that if my parents had indulged every single one of my whims as a child, I would now just be this very entitled, you know, kind of self-absorbed, insatiable person. And that's definitely, I mean, I can't even imagine what that would look like because it's, um, but yeah, just look at my life now. <laughs> but James 4.3 says, you ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. And it's, you know, I found that when, when I get what I think I want, usually the anticipated satisfaction, the contentment from that, recept that final getting of that thing, it, pretty, it fades away pretty quickly. Um, you know, I, like some of my hobbies, like collecting sneakers, I'm into fa you know, fashion, whatever. So those are, it's like you're literally getting a physical item, right? Like whether it's in the mail or you're at the store, right? And you get it and you're like, I mean, with a new pair of sneakers, I'm like, oh, that's cool, I'm like nice and shiny, whatever, right? And then a month later, it's like, cool, I'll wear it, you know, that sort of thing. It's, it's just not the same, you can't expect the same level of contentment, right? Um, and really, it, I think addictions, you know, our addictions are, are the most kind of extreme example of our, our insatiable desire for contentment, for pleasure, right? And it, the difference between an addiction and, and an interest or, you know, kind of a, a fascination is addiction becomes obsession, and that obsession can lead to destruction in some way, shape, or form, right? Whether that's substances or relationships or things, right? And so while it might seem cold in a certain respect, for a parent to actually not give their child everything, right, that can often be a really good thing for them because it, le it teaches them to be content with what they have at the present, right, to be content with whatever life gives them. Um, and at, as our creator, God doesn't owe us anything, right? A painting cannot tell the painter how to paint it or when to paint it, where to put the painting, how to, how to explain it, right, how to use it. Um, and so it's, it's important for us to realize in that respect of, of that, you know, kind of identity of God, we cannot demand him to obligate him to do anything, um, really. And, and it, when you think about it, it's what, what, could, what could I offer God? Like, what does he have that I don't have, right? Like, he, he made it all. He gave it all. So it, it's kind of, it, if you think of it in that light, it's, it's kind of absurd to actually think that you can, like, force God into something or, or offer him something so that he can owe you, right? Um, but at the same time, he's, he's a father, right? Um, and, and if every whim of, of a child is ignored, they become, they become 
disenchanted, right? They become embittered. Uh, they become cynical. And so it's, there's, there's plenty of times where it's important for a, child, or for a parent to provide for their child's needs and their wants, right? Um, not, just, not just to make them happy for a moment until the next time, but because it's an actual expression of God's love, right? Of true love, of, of selflessness, of sacrifice. And so God, having adopted us being our, and becoming our father, right? He wants to give us abundantly. Um, and I, w- I would say rather than a, a good parent, rather than wanting their kid to either be spoiled or deprived, right? Opposite ends of the spectrum, right? God wants to, or a good parent will uh, want to ensure that their child is, is, is cared for, is safe, is, is, is strong, right? Um, those are all kind of things that I imagine a, a good parent really, I mean, what do I know? I'm not a parent, but, you know, I would imagine that a good parent wants for their child. Um, and so even though as a kid, there was plenty of moments where I asked for something and didn't get it, and I resented my parents then, I'm actually really glad that they, you know, in hindsight, I'm really glad that they denied so many of my selfish requests um, and didn't spoil me as much as they could have, you know? Um, and so really, I think in this theme of, like, do I pray to God with gratitude, it's important to remember that we have to be praying to God from a place of gratitude, right? Like, he says it in his word, and we just, we recognize what ingratitude or ingratitude uh, bring, right? The, the inverses. Um, and really, praying with gratitude can be extremely tough at different points in life. Um, you know, I, when, you know, when someone's in poor health, when someone is, stru- like, someone is afflicted by some, um, you know, some terrible relationship, whatever it might be, uh, it's, it's really hard to have this genuine posture of thanksgiving to God. It's like, why would I be grateful for my suffering circumstances, right? Um, but I think the important thing to remember is there's always something to be thankful for, always. Um, my, my grandfather's, uh, in the last few years, my, my dad's dad had a stroke recently, and my mom's dad, he's had Parkinson's for the last few years, right? And so I've had to see their health deteriorate to such a, a low point, right? Both of them are very immobile. One of them can't get up on his own at all. Another one has to use a walker or cane everywhere he goes, and he, can, he moves very slowly. It's, it's hard to eat. One of them can't talk, right? Um, all these things, like, I totally take those for granted. I roll out of bed like it's no, nobody's business, right? I think most of us do that, right? And so, like, you, you could call those simple or amazing. I, you know, I think those are amazing blessings, right? Just how God, how God made the body. Um, these amazing blessings in, in just in our everyday life. But then you can take it all the way to the extreme of God showed his grace in spite, in spite of myself, in spite of my sin, right? That's, it's, it's, we, didn't, we definitely didn't earn it. If anything, we should, we should have pushed him away. That would have pushed him away, pushed anyone with a, with a brain in them <laughs> away, right? It's like, why would I want to embrace someone who's going to hurt me and doesn't care for me? Um, so really, all these blessings in our lives, that should be the start of our thanksgiving, rather than our, you know, necessarily our circumstance of, you know, man, this is, I have a tough, tough, uh, you know, relationship with this, with a family member, or, you know, I'm, I'm struggling because I don't know what's happening here, right? Um, start, starting with thanksgiving is, is there's always a reason, right? Um, and I, I think along those lines, it's whenever we do pray, um, whether we realize it or not, whenever we're praying from a place of ingratitude and discontentment, I honestly don't think, I, 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 I shouldn't be surprised if God doesn't answer my prayers, if I'm coming from that place, right? 
because at that point I'm just a petulant child. I'm just demanding things, right? And so, um, you know, I, you could call this a quotable if, if you're into, you know. So deprivation can be the driving force that turns discontentment into thanksgiving, right? Deprivation can be the driving force that turns discontentment into thanksgiving. Um, so really asking ourselves, do my, does my life, my, my moment-to-moment life, does it sing praise to God? Not, not with my, just my mouth, but my actions, my desires. Do they sing praise to God? That's a helpful kind of self-assessment. Like, am I truly grateful for what God has given me? The third question. Do I pray with his will on my heart? Uh, and this might seem kind of unrelated, but we're, it's going gonna, it's gonna to make sense in a minute. I would say that all prayer requests come from come as a response to the symptoms of sin, right? Um, we, we all feel tension and pain and conflict in our lives in various areas, right? And all of those, all of those feelings, they violate this internal intuitive sense of, of, of wholeness and harmony, right? And when you look back at how God originally designed the world in the Garden of Eden where, where, where he made man and woman, right? And they lived in harmony with one another. They lived in harmony stewarding creation. And they lived in harmony with God, right? That was God's intent for all of us, right? To be in perfect harmony. There was no, there was no war. There was no disease, right? And so I, I, I argue that we, we, God built us with that innate desire and for this thing called shalom, right? It's this Hebrew word that's, that is very prominent in the Old Testament. Shalom is often translated as peace, right? But it means more than just kind of the absence of conflict. I think as you, as you see it used, you see shalom meaning harmony and wholeness, right? Um, and those are all things that very deep down pretty much every human wants. They, they, they crave that, right? Um, and so it's, it's a lot of our prayer requests come from this sense of there is no shalom in this place, in this place, in that place, right? Um, but thankfully, you know, like there's two promises that kind of, I don't know, it may be bittersweet, but one promise is that, that God makes in his word is that we actually won't see perfect shalom on this earth. And, and that's, that's you, you, I don't know, that's tough. That's just tough, right? It's, it's like, why would God not want to do that? But then the second promise is that he will be bringing that. But it's not in this earth as we know it, right? It's when Jesus comes again, the second time that Christ comes to this earth. He's bringing a new heavens and a new earth, right? And it's there in that place where heaven and earth are, are almost seamless in a way, right? Where we will see perfect shalom. So until then, um, really... Jesus and, and God through his work, he's given several commandments of what it looks like to kind of like live in the, you know, you'll hear it referenced as the already not yet, right? Um, and so in, in this already not yet, we, we are called to pray that God would shine his glory in us and through us and around us, right? Um, so that people, that the entire world can witness what his shalom looks like. They get a taste, right? Um, it, it's an invitation, um, you know, Jesus taught his followers in the Lord's Prayer to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done, the Father, right? The Father's kingdom come and that the Father's will would be done. Um, and so that might beg the question for some, you know, what is God's will? And that's a whole big question on its own that we definitely can't, you know, answer comprehensively now. But, uh, you know, I think there's some, some poignant 
pieces of scripture that can help give a general understanding. First Thessalonians 4.3, it says this, For this is the will of God, your sanctification. And sanctification, if you, if you don't know what that word is, it's just this big theological word that smart, you know, smart people come up with. Um, to, be, to be made holy, to be made like Jesus. That, that's God's will for each one of us, right? Each one of his children. He desires them to become more and more like Christ every day, right? So that's, that's at one level, but that's, not, that's definitely not all of it, right? You, you move on to kind of this more kind of um, communal level, right? And we see Jesus t- t- taught his disciples the greatest commandments. One, love the Lord your God with everything, right? And then two, love your neighbor as yourself, and then I would say three, in a sense, is the Great Commission. As Jesus was ascending back to heaven, um, leaving his disciples for good, he was saying, uh, you know, go and make disciples. Make people that look like me. That's what he's saying. That's what that means, is go and make disciples. Is make more that look like me. Um, not me, not me, Andy. Me, Jesus, right? <laughs> um, just to clarify for anybody. Um, right? And so these, these greatest commandments and this great commission, along with God's original design and like this passage from Thessalonians that, you know, God's will is our sanctification, all these things, we can see that um, the, the, these, are high, these are the highest priorities. If you call yourself a Christ follower, these, are, these need to be your highest priorities before your own career goals, your life goals, you know, your happiness, your dreams, right? Um, that's, that, this, this, this is, this is the core, this is the essential, right? And so I think it's, it's great to talk about these ideals, right? But then it begs the question, do I actually pray to God that he will do this, that he will do these things through me? Whether that means I suffer or, or I'm, I'm celebrating, right? Do I actually pray that? Um, and it's, how humbling is it when, when, you, when you realize and God shows you that your prayer requests, so many, you're so wrapped up in your own life and just living your life that so many of them are, so many of your prayer requests are centered around you, right? That's, it's, it's, it's humbling for me and it's, it's scary because, it, I mean, I guess it's a reminder, if nothing else, that I'm a, I'm a sinner still, right? Um, uh, you know, God's will is for us to be his hands and feet, the body, the body of his son, right? You know, I've, I've realized in my life, even some of the most seemingly noble prayer requests, they can come from a really selfish place. You know, like, I pray a lot for my grandparents, but I think one of the biggest driving reasons I pray for my, parents, my grandparents is because it's so hard for me to see them in, in, where, they're, where they're at. My, my grandfathers and my grandmothers, by, by um, you know, by proxy, like, they have to live this life with their husbands, and they're in better health, but, I mean, their health is still declining in some way, right? And so, so much of why I find myself praying is because it's so hard for me. It's so hard for me to endure that. I mean, there is a part of me that clearly cares about them. But so much of, I think, it's, it's, it's so subconscious is so much of why I pray is because I can't stand it. I know the life they lived before this, right? That they were able to play golf and go fish and, you know, run around with their grandkids, right? That's, that's, not, that's not easy. Um, you know, even, even the most faithful Christians at, at any given point of their life, they really might not be desiring God's will. You know, I found that, you know, after I'm done with, you know, work and school, it's so easy to just spend my free time doing whatever, right? Just to relax, to, you know, decompress, whatever you want to call it, whatever you call it, right? Uh, me time, right? Um, it's, it's, it's so easy to just kind of do the things that are entertaining for me and, and restful for me. 
and I think it's important to, to note that God does ordain that we rest and that we re- recreate, right? That we enjoy his creation. But it's so easy more now than ever to just preoccupy yourself with a million and one things to do and to, you know, to, to join in with, right? Whether that's going out to eat with friends or, you know, going on awesome trips, whatever. Those are good things, right? But then if, if, we, um, if we really find ourselves spending so much of our time doing these things for ourselves, it's what does that say about my life being given to God's will and seeking God's will? So, um, you know, I think we have to, we have to come to God in prayer with an unwavering desire, right? This unparalleled desire for his will to be done, um, for his, his shalom, right? His shalom to be known through us, through our brothers and sisters, um, just in any, in any place. We have to be desiring that because we know that that will be the relief that we're often praying for. Our desire for shalom will come through us, come through God's, you know, the bride of Christ, right? And so, you know, I think it's important to, to always be reflective. You know, am, am, am I praying? Am I, am I actually, am the, in my prayers and the prayers that I ask of others, right, am I actually being selfish or am I being God-oriented? Am I being God-centered? So teaching on prayer and, and talking about all these motivations and these values, it's really easy to think, oh, maybe, you know, prayer is just a formula. You, you, you put in Thanksgiving, you put in, you know, God's will, and you know God, and then good to go. You get whatever you want, and, yeah, please don't leave with that impression, right? Um, you know, faith itself is not formulaic. Like, living a life of faith is not formulaic. There's, there's some essential ingredients, I guess, you know, like knowing Christ and, and giving him lordship over your life, right? But that, that, doesn't, that doesn't give you an answer to every situation you're going to come across living this life, right? So I think as a subset, prayer is the same way. We shouldn't look for a secret algorithm. There's not one secret formula, right, to, to make our prayers work as we want them to. Um, you know, I really don't think we, can, we can't always know what God's will looks like in a, any given situation. Sometimes we will, but I think a lot of times we don't. Um, but again, we know these, these fundamental tenets of, you know, the Great Commission, Great Commandments, our, our sanctification, right? So those, those are a starting point. Um, and really, if, you, if you're the type of person that's really like me, essentially, <laughs> um, really wanting, like, that, that easy answer, that, like, that, that pathway to follow, the instructions to follow, and you get what you're looking for, right? Um, I've, I've found that that's really the, a great opportunity to approach God in trust and humility. Um, and I, I found that in my life, so much of my actual, like, my maturation as a Christian has come in these moments when I realize the limits of myself and how much I can't come up with the best plan and, and the, the best methods, right? Um, and it's really there where God shows his, his attributes in, in, their, in, their most, in their greatest glory, right? So, you know, you know after all these all these uh, values, these motives for prayer, right? W- one application, just do it. <laughs> like, like I, I'm, I'm like, I, I like, I'm a fan of Nike and their ethos in a way. They're not perfect. It's a company, right, in business. But their slogan, just do it, right? It's, it's simple, but it, it, it can communicates a point, right? It's like, sometimes you just have to go do it. Um, and, obvi- and there, obviously, I think, I, I would imagine a lot of you guys at, at some point have struggled with, there's like this intellectual cognitive desire to do it, 
but then you like somehow it just doesn't translate, right? Or it's it's hard to make it translate, right? Um, and I I think one of the hard things, especially like in this kind of era, is that so many people think, and I'm I'm guilty of this myself. So many people think, oh, if I'm not feeling it, if it doesn't feel truly authentic, then I shouldn't do it, right? But I think there is there there I think there's some value to that logic at times. But there's so many things, just the life we live, that we have to do. Like, we don't, like, it's, like, I don't actually like sleeping, which might sound crazy to you guys. Like, I don't really care about sleeping. It's kind of inconvenient for me. Like, I'm a night owl. I just like staying awake and doing more things, right? Some people cannot relate. I, but, okay, but inverse, right? I love eating. Some people think eating is a chore, right? So whether it's eating or sleeping or, you know, spending time with other humans or whatever it is, right? <laughs> I, I love spending time with people, just so you know. Um, um, you know, wh whether it, there's, there's certain things that we do because we need them as people to like live this life, right? And I think we have to start thinking of prayer as a urgent necessity in our spiritual life. It's, it's not like a do it when you feel like it. Like sometimes we will do it when we feel like it, but sometimes when we're really not feeling it, that's that much more we need to recognize the kind of our frailty and just kind of our, our smallness our need for God that much more because we aren't feeling it at the time, right? Whatever, whatever feeling it means to you, right? So, you know, inconsistency really is countered with intentionality and this, and this evaluation, this the maybe a change of paradigm, you know? Maybe you haven't thought of prayer that way before, you know? Maybe this is the time to start thinking of it that way. Um, you know, and uh, Jesus himself taught this parable in Luke 18. Um, we're not going to go into it, but this parable, the parable of the persistent widow, and, and, he, and it says at the beginning of the parable, you know, he, he's, the reason he taught the parable was to teach them the, the value of persisting in prayer. So even though you don't get what you want, how you want it, when you want it, you keep praying, especially if you feel like it is genuinely a good thing, you know, something that God has put on your heart, right? You keep praying for it. Um, and and, and that I would say that is different than, like, praying, praying consistently is different than praying passionately, Right? Like, there was, a, there was a lot of Jesus' teachings about not praying in this really, like, ostentatious, flowy, wordy manner, you know, that it's really easy to get caught up, in, especially when you're praying around other people, I found, right? It's really easy to be, like, oh, self-conscious, like, am I saying the right thing? Like, does it sound good? Does it sound spiritual, right? Like, the intensity of our prayer is good, but that's not what, God, that's not what, that, that's not what God's kind of answers are contingent upon. It's not a contingent upon how hard we pray, right? But the persistence, right? The persistence is important. Also, another application, when, when, we, when we're going to pray, we have to remember who God is, what he's given, and what it is that he, he seeks to achieve, right? Again, right? Like the character of God, the gratitude of God, right? And, and the will of God. Um, and so, you know, I, I like, you know, I, I'm trying to build this habit of when I, when I go in prayer, really just praising God, you know, recognizing what he's done, you know, who he is, all his, all his wonderful characteristics, right? Um, and again, there, there's going to be times where that feels disingenuous. And, you know, maybe you can issue a little, like, side prayer or whatever of, like, God, show me, you know, show me yourself. Remind me, you know, can you help me overcome my small mind, my short memory, my, my, my feelings that are so wayward, can you remind me of who you are? And hopefully, you know, I think, I think God will be, be faithful to that, right? 
So there's, there's one verse at near the end of 1 Thessalonians 5 that I, I, I really think is a nice kind of summation of, of what we've talked about today. Um, it's from chapter 5, verses 16 through 17. It, it may sound familiar to a lot of people. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. So when you, when you look at this verse, you see these three verbs, right? Rejoice, pray, and give thanks, right? We're celebrating God, who he is. We're praying always without ceasing, right? And we're giving thanks. We're thanksgiving, right? Um, and so these things, and, and the modifiers to these verbs in this verse is always, without ceasing, in all circumstances, right? It's, it's regardless of circumstance, regardless of how, where our feelings are at, where our life is at, at, the given, at any given moment, right? So, like, this, this, compa- this command by God, he knows that we're going to struggle. He knows that we're going to hit these times where it's the least natural response, right? But, again, doing certain things because it's just, it, it's, all, it's what we need. It's not necessarily what we want, but it's what we need at the very least, right? Um, so really, I think, the, the, I guess my invitation to each of you here is to pray that God, if, if you don't find yourself in this place now or later, right, is, is always be praying that God would give you the strength and the will to, to know him more deeply, which will help you trust him more and invite him in more, invite him in more into your life, right? And, you, and you'll be thankful, right? Being more thankful, seeking his will over ours, right? And remembering what he's done in the past and what he will do, what he is doing, um, to to bring about his kingdom, to to make his shalom known to all of us, right? That's the thing that we crave the most. Um, you know, like though apparent answers to prayer might either seem paradox, like contradictory. They might seem contradictory. They're never contradictory. God is not a god of contradictions, right? They may be paradoxical. They may be mysterious, right? But God has this, this perspective we, we can never hope to have. He has the wisdom we can never hope to have. And, and, and the affection, the love, the depth of his love, right? He has those things that give him the rightful place in our lives to be bringing our prayers to, right? And so my final, I guess, encouragement is that, an invitation is that as a church family, um, we, we have the honor and the duty to be encouraging one another to these postures of prayer, to remembering what the value of prayer um, and, and, yeah, how much, it, how much it does make a difference in our hearts more than anything else maybe, right? Um, that we have the, the honor of encouraging one another to a thankful, a consistent, God-oriented life of prayer. And so when we're sharing our lives, we can help each other recognize the, the, the actual prayer requests, the needs, the desires of our hearts, right? And be praying with one another about it and helping us be thankful and God-oriented, right? So that's my invitation to you guys. And, you know, I, I hope that is, you know, something that you'll take with you and that we can, we can live out, right? So I'm, I'm going to pray for us. Father, you... You are so amazing. Your power is so evident in, in, in the world around us, and, and your goodness is so evident in the lives that you give us, and in, in, 
in, if nothing else, God, in the gift of your son, making a sacrifice of your own to those who you knew some wouldn't, wouldn't respond with in, in, in gratitude. Um, definitely not deserving it, God. Uh, I pray that your character and just who you are would be, would be our driving force, that you would help us realize the necessity of, of being in prayerful communion with you on a daily basis. I really pray that, that the words that you've spoken through me, God, would, would make people more like your son, that, that your glory would be that much more manifested in this world, God, because we are, we are, we are trusting of you and we're willing to bring everything before you in faith and in, in hope. So we just thank you so much for this time and pray that you would be with us. Amen.